And welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in La Crosse. Uh, thank you for waiting an extra day for the podcast this time around. Uh, we had some things to attend to yesterday, uh, but we're uh, ready to go here today for you. We're going to talk about the Big Bears victory last Thursday. We're going to talk about some of the big issues going on in the NFL after just two weeks, and then we'll get to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, but I think first, uh, as we bring Matt in here, um, the big story, I think, in the NFL, or it should be, is the passing of Steve Sable from complications with uh, cancer. Uh, he had a brain tumor and uh, passed away at the age of 69. And uh, I know both um, Matt and I heard this news and were pretty devastated by it. Uh, I actually uh, had not realized that his uh, condition was that critical. And uh, just really sad to see uh, a guy like Steve Sable pass on. Uh, I think we should take this opportunity to maybe share some memories about him. And uh, I guess, Matt, I'll let you uh, begin since you uh, broke the news to me this afternoon. Sure. Um, and I think you and I especially, and I'm sure a lot of people from our generation and before that had, you know, kind of grew up watching all these NFL films. And I know we constantly were sitting in front of the TV when we were younger watching your old VHS tapes and, and watching ESPN and watching all this stuff. And it, it has so much to do with, you know, our interest in football and, and also, you know, like our knowledge of the history of the game. So, you know, it was kind of a part of our childhood too. So it, it was a, a pretty sad uh, thing to hear today for sure. Yeah. I, I just remember being a, a, a kid and, I mean, we would hum the NFL Films tunes while we were going back to pass, playing catch and narrating our own uh, our own story mm-hmm. as we'd play. And uh, I don't think it's a reach to say that he might be one of the single, and his dad as well, and, and probably the whole Sable family with that company. But uh, they're some of the most important people in the history of the NFL. I, I firmly believe, and I've believed it for a long time, that NFL Films is one of the key reasons why the NFL is the number one sport in America. You, you really don't get that kind of storytelling from any of the other major sports, and I think that contributes uh, to it quite a bit. Uh, both of you and I are huge fans of, of the America's Game series. That, that might be some of the greatest television programs you'll ever see. Uh, we openly talked about uh, in the last two times or three times that the Packers have actually gotten close to winning a Super Bowl. One of the main reasons we wanted them to win is just to see all the NFL film stuff that would come out uh, that we could buy and, and watch for years to come. And Steve Sable, uh, I, I wish his family the best, and uh, we certainly uh, feel for them with their loss here. And um, I, I would say Steve Sable is, without a doubt, uh, one of the greatest filmmakers I've ever seen. That's sport anything uh just a, a a big loss for all football fans and he'll definitely be missed but he'll be uh, finally remembered for for a long 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 time absolutely I mean, he's gonna have a huge legacy in the game and i know ed is a hall of famer is steve in the hall of fame yet i don't believe so uh, i he uh, I he's know, going to be yeah he definitely will be um i i think they probably just wanted to have ed go first being at he was the founder and and the patriarch uh but yeah, he's definitely a, a Hall of Famer, and I mean, even talking, including players, I don't think there's anyone more deserving of an NFL Hall of Fame bid than Steve Sable. Okay, let's move on to some happier news, and that is the Green Bay Packers 23-10 beatdown of the Bears last Thursday, and honestly, I don't think the game was that close uh, to be a 13-point deficit. The Packers really dominated that game, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, had a Gutsy play call on a fourth and 26, so maybe a new memory to associate with that down in distance uh, on the fake field goal. And uh, just an all-around uh, pretty solid effort by the Green Bay Packers. 
Let's start. There's two storylines coming out of this game, in my opinion. One offensively and one defense. But let's go positive first, since that kind of goes against my (laughs) nature as a fan sometimes. And uh, let's talk about how great that defense was. Less than 200 yards of total offense they gave up to the Bears. Uh, they sacked Jay Cutler seven times. They intercepted him four times. Uh, got me because I forgot we were playing fantasy football until I talked to a friend of mine a couple minutes before the game. So I played Jay Cutler. He got me 0.23 points, and I ended up losing my game by uh, less than one point, which seems to be a theme for me since I've been playing the last couple of years. But I was happy to take that loss for a Packers victory. Um, I guess, Matt, what, are, what were your thoughts about the defense? I thought they were pretty impressive on Thursday. Oh, absolutely. That was incredible. And like you said, I mean, Jay Cutler starting against the Packers defense, like you said, for your fantasy, you would expect maybe like 30 points. And after what we had seen from Alex Smith, even in that offense. Well, at least one. I expected one <laughs> point. You know, I'm not shocked that the Packers won, but I'm I'm shocked that the Bears offense was so bad and that our defense was so good. It was, uh, and honestly, I did not see that coming. I know we kind of talked last week about how these games oftentimes kind of end up being low scoring between these two teams, but it was just incredible. I mean, everybody played so well, and I think that was, in my opinion, at least as far as back as I can remember, that might have been the best game that Clay Matthews and Tremont Williams have had, you know, in the mm-hmm. same game. And um, what what Tremont did was, I know Clay had, you know, got a lot of the press with all the sacks, but what Tremont did against Brandon Marshall was just absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah. Uh, to shut him down, I think he only ended up having like two catches by the end of the game, and and he, you know he was getting looked at the whole game, getting targeted, even though he didn't even get a catch until the second half. So, mm-hmm. um, just, yeah, just absolutely incredible. And Sam Shields got a chance the opposite side, you know, finally. We were kind of wondering what was going on there with Bush playing. And, uh, but, yeah, every part of the defense played well. The defensive line was pretty good, and the, the safeties out back were, were, you know, helping out the corners a lot too. So pretty much, you know, everybody played, their, well, obviously the best game of the season, but um, played played a really, really great game. Yeah, it was really uh, weird to see them play that well. I, honestly, that's got to be their best defensive performance since what? At least the 2010 playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, you th- I guess you could throw that Vikings Monday Nighter in last year, but got to consider the opponent that's a little the Vikings, bit. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Going with Clay Matthews, uh, he was looked completely unblockable, and I know Cutler bumping his offensive lineman there, but that was really a mismatch. I can't believe how stupid uh, the Bears were to just leave him alone for the whole game. It, it, he was clearly in Cutler's head. Um, six sacks in two games, which I heard people uh, talking that that's a big number, and it, it, it is. I saw on Packers.com today there was a poll question as to whether or not they thought Clay Matthews would break Michael Strahan's single-season record. Um, Packer Nation, of course, thinking at a 70% clip that he would get better than 22 to have sacks this year. Um, I think he'll be better than he was last year, certainly, but uh, bear in mind he had six sacks in the first two games of 2010 and only finished with 13 and a half. Uh, so Maybe not setting records. He's probably not going to have what forty something or whatever the uh, <laughs> the projected number would be after yeah. six and two games. But uh, he certainly uh, obviously heard that we called him one of the more overrated players in the NFL back this mm-hmm. summer. So he obviously was out to spite us, and that's the only reason he played so well. <laughs> and you got to he kind of came in under the radar this season too in the first couple games. So you got to think that teams are going to be giving their linemen a lot more help, probably chipping with tight ends and, and everything like that. But mm-hmm. it was yeah, it's been incredible, and we haven't seen even in 2010 he didn't look this dominant. He, mm-hmm. he just looks unstoppable, and even when he's not sacking the quarterback, he's getting pressure or he's making other plays. He, he had a lot of tackles that game too. So mm-hmm. 
I think he ended up with like four other tackles. So he just looked really, really good. And I mean, if he keeps playing like this and stays healthy, maybe he can get the record. But yeah, I mean, just as long as we can keep seeing consistency, because like you said, in 2010 kind of slowed down mm-hmm. towards the end of the year when he was hurt. I know, but uh, if he can keep going at at this kind of a pace, that's a huge asset for this defense. Yeah, and it really changes everything because that's really kind of what made their defense fall apart last year. I know people were dogging on the secondary, which they were out of position quite a bit. But, I mean, whenever I think of last year, I think of that San Diego game where Phillip Rivers could have wrote a book while he was standing back there looking for his receiver. I mean, gosh, I could have probably thrown for 250 yards with that offensive line protection. Uh, Maybe not me, but, like, you know, a real man. Um, (laughs) Anyways, um, so here's the big question. So is the defense fixed? Or is this just a case where Dom Capers has the Bears' number, uh, which seems to be kind of what's gone on since Dom Capers has been here? I'm a little guarded. It seems like they might just have a good matchup against the Bears. I'm not ready to say the defense is fixed, but maybe I have more confidence that they're not quite as broken, if that makes sense. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. There's no way to say they're fixed after one good game. And granted, it was a great game, but... They just came off looking terrible against the 49ers offense, which, you know, seeing them again this week, they look pretty darn good again this week. But mm-hmm. um, but I'm not definitely not going to be saying that they're fixed. There's just there's a lot of playmakers, Tremont, Charles Woodson, Clay Matthews, and, you know, Raji, if he can keep it going here. But there's just so many holes, in my opinion, that are going to get picked on as the season goes. So I don't think they're quite as bad as they look week one, but obviously they're not going to be holding teams to 10 points all year. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to... You know, score more points than we did last week against Chicago and, and going forward to kind of make up for that. But not completely broken, but I'm nowhere close to saying that they're fixed yet. Yeah, and you uh, brought up the offense, so let's move on to that. Uh, another off performance for the Packers makes, I guess, six in a row if you're counting the preseason for the 2012 Packers. Uh, I really am out of uh, words to describe this, as I've been pretty much harping on this since uh, mid-August about how I just don't think they look all that great. Um, and certainly the the big story this past week was the Aaron Rodgers, James Jones miscommunication that led to a, a very kind of minor uh, altercation between the two as they were coming off the field, which uh, here's a little uh, tidbit for you. James Jones says Aaron Rodgers is a great leader. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Jermichael Finley's agent apparently uh says aaron Rodgers is a great player but he's uh, not built to be a leader uh, yeah, par- i'm paraphrasing I, I, a little I did bit see but, that. yeah i saw that article on espn and i also saw they like showed a couple other tweets that he did and he was like swearing in some of his other tweets and stuff it's like what kind of agent is this guy oh. why would you call out first of all your client's quarterback especially when your client's having a terrible start to the year and didn't play very well last year yeah and uh, it's like is this just one of his buddies or something and Honestly, no, though, if you had to, if if I would have just asked you out of the blue, knowing nothing, to describe what you think Jermichael Finley's agent is like, I totally would have described this guy. Yeah, and you know, I kind of have a feeling too that he probably had had heard this from Jermichael saying this at some point. He just, it kind of seems like his personality that he would do that. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he's just regurgitating what he heard from Jermichael, but I'm sure Rogers isn't going to let it bother him at all. I would hope not. I mean, Rodgers, he might have said something to him in the uh, maybe at practice or something, but he's probably not going to carry it with him too much. Uh, this isn't the first time him and uh, Jermichael Finley have had problems. Remember, I mean, Finley's like first game where he got action in 2008, he was already kind of going after Rodgers, yeah. so I think they expect that from each other. Uh, I hope Finley articulated uh, this opinion to whoever he told it to a little better than uh, this uh, time. I got one word. one word. Dallas, Texas, Super Bowl, baby. 
yeah, so I just wanted to use that. I've had that on there for a while. So I guess what is your opinion on the offense, and, and what do you think the problem is? I mean, clearly there's something wrong with them. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess I'll throw this caveat in there, and I probably should have come to this realization a little sooner than I have, but comparing them to last year, which I have been doing, and maybe the most guilty of anybody I know of doing that, seems to be incredibly unfair, especially when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, maybe we are just going to have to uh, (laughs) stop looking back to 2011, and obviously he's shown what he was capable of, but... That's going to be a career year for him, honestly. I mean, this would be like comparing uh, Barry Sanders' numbers. He gets 1,400 yards in a season and saying, well, gosh, he got 2,000 last year. What's wrong with Barry? Uh, so maybe we'll have to take last year as the anomaly and say that's a great, great season, but to expect that every year is a bit ridiculous. But certainly they can do better than this, right? Yeah, I, I don't think there's any way that we can expect last year, you know, in the near future, maybe even ever again. I, and we kind of saw around the league that a lot of people were doing that. It wasn't just Rodgers. Maybe it was the lockout or whatnot. But, you know, we can't expect that every year. But you would think we'd be seeing a little bit more. And I don't completely blame Rodgers, although I think that he takes a lot of the blame here. But I think just in these first couple games, I think it has something to do with the type of games that we've been in. We haven't really been forced to sling it too much. But it, And it just seemed like last year we were a lot more aggressive to start the games, too. So I don't I don't know if you want to blame the offensive line, which probably has something to do with it. I don't know if you want to blame the play calling, but I think you also got put blame on Rodgers, who seems to be holding the ball quite a bit, mm-hmm. um, and you know missing throws he doesn't usually miss, or he didn't miss ever last year too. So I think it kind of goes all the way around. But he's got a little bit more help now. We saw Benson play really well last week, so hopefully that'll help. Some teams actually going to have to game plan for that, and maybe it'll open up a few more holes in the in the defense. But I think we will see more. I don't think this is what we're going to get all year. But I think the blame pretty much goes all around. You could even blame the receivers a little bit. Obviously, Finley with the drops, Jones has had a couple still, and and I I don't know about you, but I haven't quite seen in the first two weeks what I thought we were going to see from Jordy this year. Yeah, I mean, if you look at from a production standpoint, last year versus the re- I mean, he outproduced the rest of his career last year, um, and it wasn't really even that close, I don't believe. Um, maybe not in yardage, but certainly in touchdowns and catches and things like that. I, I think I, I, the blame goes, like you said, probably a lot of different places. I think the offensive line is a big problem. Uh, it feels like Rodgers doesn't trust them. Like I'm obviously putting words in his mind, I guess, but it looks like he doesn't trust his offensive line. He's holding the ball a lot. But other than last year, that kind of has been a knock on Rodgers' entire career here. He always holds the ball too long. Yeah. I mean, gosh, what did he get sacked? 50 times in 2009? And I don't know. They just feel a little bit out of sync. I, I have heard people say, well, that's the cover two, and the cover two is uh, you know, a problem for the Packers. And I'm like, come on. I mean, the cover two, that's... Saying that the cover two is, is bothering an offense like the Packers is like... It reminds me of when I was watching football with a guy in the in the dorms a few years back, and he was saying, you know what you need to do to have a great defense? You blitz. <laughs> it's like the most simplistic explanation for why something is wrong. I'm pretty sure that there's other teams that have run the cover two last year. Uh, the Bears in, are a team that runs the cover two all the time, and he threw five touchdowns against them last year. So... It might just be a case where they're starting slow. I know I've always argued that they haven't started very slow, but if you look back, they started 
kind of slow in 2009, um, and obviously had a really, really good offense there. Statistically, their offense in 2009 was the, from a point production standpoint, was second only to last year's team in team history, even eclipsing the, the 1996 team that led the league in scoring. So, there's certainly hope that it can pick up, but uh, I have to agree with you. It looks like, I don't know, maybe your thoughts are on this, but it looks like the league is caught up with the Packers, and I don't know if I mentioned that last week, but it feels like it's their move. The, the chess pieces have aligned to defend what the Packers have been doing the last few years, and now it's time for the Packers to, to make their move to make the adjustment and, and try some new things. And frankly, if you look around the league, it seems like the defenses have caught up with all these teams. Look at the Saints, 0-2. Mm-hmm. Patriots lose, lose to the Cardinals. The Lions' Staff- offense looks terrible yep. compared yep. to last year. Stafford has looked terrible. So, I mean, it's not just here. It kind of seems like the defenses are starting to figure it out, and maybe the Giants were the blueprint for that last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at them just go run through the playoffs. San Francisco, too, you know, beating New Orleans. So it, it kind of seems like maybe people are starting to figure it out. So... It's going to take these offensive geniuses and, you know, minus Sean Payton for the other teams mm-hmm. uh, to maybe try to figure something out. But I, I really think that as the season goes on, we'll get more into a groove here and Rodgers will get going a little bit better. But, but yeah, it does kind of seem like defenses are starting to figure this these offenses out a little bit finally. Which I kind of think is a welcome uh, problem for the NFL. It was getting sort of ridiculous last year. Uh, basically, your third down defense was hoping for a bad pass <laughs> like, yeah. a lot of times last year. Well, it would have been nice if we could have kept going and everybody else would have started <laughs> getting shut down. Yeah, well, I don't know. Part of me, uh, when I think of last year and how dominant their offense was, there's one thing I'm thankful for last year after hating them for a few weeks is the Kansas City Chiefs because can you imagine losing to the Giants as a 16 and 0 team instead of a no, 15 and 0 No, that would have been much worse. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I think they'll pick it up. So um, I, I don't think they'll pick it up like they did last year: 35 points a game, 45 touchdowns, six interceptions. I mean, those are Madden numbers. So just they just got to score more than they are now. Right now, I think they're 20th in the league in scoring. I know it's only two weeks, but 20th is is not where this team should be. I don't think. All right, so that's the Packers after two weeks. But let's talk about the NFL after two weeks. And I have to say that I have absolutely no idea what's going on in the NFL. It feels like everybody's exactly the same. Teams that you thought were really good kind of took a step back this week. Uh, Teams that you thought were really bad surged forward this week. Uh, So a lot of different things. But I'm going to talk about maybe more of a subtle issue in the NFL. Um, Matt, I don't know if you've been uh, paying close attention. Uh, You might not have caught this, especially if you don't pay attention to the commentators. But uh, apparently it's come to my attention that there might be replacement officials in the NFL this year. I don't know if yeah, no, heard about that. I've heard about it every second of every day that you turn on ESPN or anything so far. But week one I thought was pretty good, but this week was, and I I was even trying to defend them last week when I heard people saying that they weren't, you know, doing very good, you know. But this week was just awful, mm-hmm. and it just I know they've talked about it a lot on like ESPN, and I heard Rome talking about it today. But it, the pass interference problem, it's it's they, huge. They don't know I, the difference between illegal contact and pass interference. Half of these crews, it felt like. And they showed one in the Eagles game that they had called when I was watching it, when it was at Baltimore Philly, and he ran, he ran a post, and the DB never touched the guy, and the safety hit the guy hard after he caught it, but they called a pass interference on the corner who was next to him. It's like, where are you even seeing these things? It's, <laughs> I, it's bizarre, and it seems like, you know, honestly, I know everybody says things like this for everything, but I feel like, you and I, or everybody else who's just a regular fan who's been watching the game forever, could come in and call that call better than these guys have been calling it so far. 
It I know it's different in the heat of the game, but it's how are you even calling that if it doesn't even happen? <laughs> well, it seems like they're intimidated, like they're they're afraid to make any kind of decision on anything. They they almost look like they're afraid to make a mistake, and in the process, they're making a ton of them. Mm-hmm. The biggest problem with me, and I know that the the pass interference seems incredibly inconsistent, but that's been a problem with the regular officials too. I mean, it felt like that was the determining factor in whether or not the Packers were going to have a good defensive game plan when they had. Uh, Woodson and Al Harris together was how tightly are they going to call illegal contact. Yeah. Um, so the inconsistency is annoying, but it's not new. The problem for me is just they just aren't decisive. The games are taking so long. I mean, they feel like college before they switch the rules. Like, wh- how long did that Eagles-Ravens nationally televised game that we were able to watch... Uh, what was that, like three hours and 45 minutes? And I think the Jets-Steelers one was the same way. It it just feels like every game is taking four hours because people are standing around and they can't decide where the ball goes. Yeah. I, I wish they would make some kind of uh, deal with the referees. and I, I don't know what's holding that up, but it's just getting annoying. It's... Especially these night games. I mean, I know you and I are huge fans, but some of these Monday night games are just taking so long, and it's a weeknight, and you got to work the next day. You're just like, you know what? Screw these guys. I'll just check the score tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. And, you know, I I guess the length of the game isn't something that really bothers me too much. I guess you kind of expect that. But, yeah, it's it just, at least on challenges, that's fine. I don't care if they take their time on that. But it just seems like the simple things even are just taking so long. And, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I completely agree with you there. And then the game last night was just horribly officiated and took forever. And I, you know, I was feeling the same way. I was like, you know, what, I'm <laughs> kind of tired with this. I, I muted it and I started doing some other stuff too. And it's it's hard to believe that they can't get something done with these refs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a small amount of money that they're asking for above what they were already making that you would think to just solve all these issues and keep the game going as well as it was that they would just get this over with. But you know, the NFL is extremely stubborn. Yeah, I I know it's it seems this is not stuff you were typically seeing in the NFL uh, up until you know the lockout last year and and now the referee lockout which is really weird. Uh, this seemed like stuff that was reserved for the NHL or, or Major League Baseball. Uh, it, I I don't know what the problem is because it's not like the NFL is hurting for money. So why are all of a sudden these issues becoming a problem? But you know I'm I haven't followed it that closely to try to talk about Roger Goodell or the psyche of the owners or whatnot, but just fix it. That's yeah, it, it kind of seems like a lot of this stuff goes hand in hand with Roger Goodell. It just seems like he is that stubborn guy, and mm-hmm. I don't, a lot of, that's good for a lot of things, you know, he cracked down on a lot of problems around the league, you know, with discipline issues and all that, but but now with the lockout we saw, we see with the Saints thing that he, you know, refuses to quit with the referees, it's it's all the same stuff, and it seems like it has a lot to do with him. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um one interesting thing might be, though, once the officials do get signed back on, because obviously they will at some point, mm-hmm. but it'll be interesting to see how bad these guys are the first week they're out there, because they're going to come in without any preseason or anything, and they're just going to have to get thrown out there and see how well they perform then, and it, it might be even worse than what we're seeing so far. Yeah, that's certainly a, a possibility that I hadn't heard anybody talk about. Um, I think that they're going to be a lot more forgiving, the fans are going to be, and, and the commentators. I think the first time Ed Hockley over-explains a challenge or... Or Mike, Mike Carey refuses to tell you uh, which side the penalty is on until after he's already announced it. Uh, I think that'll probably get a pretty big ovation from the home crowd. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about some of the other issues in the NFL so far this year. Um, I guess let's start with biggest surprise. Who has been the biggest surprise? You can either say team or players or, or whatever you want. 
what what is the biggest surprise so far two weeks in, in the NFL season? Well, I mean, it's there's been a lot. There's been so much parity so far. We just kind of touched briefly on the Cardinals being the, the Patriots last week, which was a huge upset. But one of the things that I'm going to say is it seems like the bottom teams, which I thought were just awful, for example, Miami mm-hmm. um, and a couple other teams too, like St. Louis, that I thought were just terrible and probably only going to win like one or two games this year, Miami especially. Mm-hmm. But they've already won a game by week two and honestly haven't even looked that bad. And Brandon Whedon and Ryan Tannehill have come in and played pretty good last week, surprisingly to me anyways. And mm-hmm. it just seems like even more so than in years past, there's been a ton of parity in the NFL for years, but it just seems like even more this year, it's any team can win at any week. And that's a, that's a scary thought when you're supposed to be a good team that usually these games that you could go and expecting to win now are, you know, maybe not so much. But I guess I'm just going to say that it's been the absolute parity through week two. And so, I, I mean, maybe this will kind of even out as the year goes on and the, the talent will rise, like you know, like the saying is. But it just seems like it's been so even throughout the league. Yeah, that's certainly a big surprise. Uh, it it just seems like it's going to be a weird year. It, it reminds me kind of like 1999 or 2008, where early on you could just kind of tell, like, there's going to be some really weird teams, and we're, we have a chance to have a really weird Super Bowl that is just one of those, like, the Titans-Rams or the, the Ravens-Giants or the Cardinals-Steelers, where you're sitting there watching the Super Bowl, and it takes about probably until about six months after it's over for you to finally accept that. Yeah, I guess that was the Super Bowl. It just, <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't really seem right. Um, I'm, I'm doing a quick tally here, and um, forgive me if my math is wrong, but it looks like all but 12 teams in the NFL are one and one already. Wow. So that's 20 teams. That just seems really weird, and I don't know what that is for a, a usual year. But uh, the NFC North and the AFC East, every single team is one and one. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so that's kind of strange. Yeah, I would say that the biggest surprise to me has got to be the Redskins' offense. <laughs> it's really weird. I, I thought they would be, you know, better, but they just look like they're cruising like the Saints or the Packers were last year. And I, I was just surprised to see them get that hot that soon. But then again, the Redskins always seem to start hot and then and then tailor off. And I think another uh, a big surprise to me is is probably uh, seeing just how bad the Saints are. I, I expected them to take a dive, and, and you did too, that we thought they'd, they'd stumble yeah. a little bit, but they look like, I mean, they were hardly even competitive against the Carolina Panthers last Sunday, so I, I guess I didn't expect it to be quite that bad, and even now, considering that they, they got some of their players back from the bounty scandal. Yeah, and I, I guess the Washington offense doesn't surprise me a ton. It just They've played some pretty bad defenses so far, too, so That's I, true. I think that they're going to be you know, pretty consistently good. Maybe we'll see some more turnovers from Griffin as the season goes on. But and they did lose to St. Louis last week, so or just this last weekend here. Mm-hmm. And the Saints, it, it definitely surprised me. So I had picked them, I think, to go nine and seven and miss the playoffs in our in our preview uh, edition. But once they got those players back, once you know Vilma was left to come back and and Smith as well, that I I felt like. That was going to be a big boost for them. Even if you know Vilma can't play for six weeks, I, you still kind of had that feeling like, all right, everything kind of feels right now. Even though Peyton's not back, they're still. Um, this is going to be a, a huge boost for this team, and maybe it kind of makes me feel like they're going to be even better. But they have just been terrible so far. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how this defense has gotten so much worse. And Breeze has just not looked very sharp. Jimmy Graham, it seems like he's been his only receiver so far. But yeah, they have not looked very good. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we'll see if they pick it up. I kind of hope they don't. Uh, sorry, Saints fans, if you're listening. But whatever. <laughs> and we just touched on the Saints, who certainly would qualify for this uh, next thing we're going to talk about. But what would you call the biggest disappointment in the NFL so far this year? I guess I'm, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily disappointed by it. <laughs> if it's not the Packers, I guess I, I, I don't really care. But it's been a little surprising <laughs> that the Raiders have been so bad. How do you get slaughtered by Miami? <laughs> they lost by 23 points, and I thought this was a pretty good team coming into the year. And I, and the Kansas City as well. I know you had predicted that they were going to be really terrible this year, and I, I thought that they were going to be pretty good, and I thought the Raiders were going to be pretty good. But it just looks like both those teams might be two of the worst teams in the league at this point, which kind of surprises with me. They have a, a decent amount of talent on both those rosters. but mm-hmm. So, I, it's like I said, it's not a letdown to me because I don't really <laughs> care for the Raiders at all, but... It's it's been kind of shocking at how bad they've been so far. Yeah, it's a quite a feat to make Reggie Bush look like he was worthy of his draft pick. Yeah, that was incredible. I mean, this is one of the only handful of times that Reggie Bush has actually looked like USC Reggie Bush in the NFL. Uh, so that's certainly tough to do. Uh, I can't say I'm surprised by the Chiefs, obviously, from my uh, my pick earlier in this year. Um, I just have been really. I don't want to put them all the way at the top, but. I'll put both of them in there. I have been really shocked at, we'll put all three, New England, Detroit, Green Bay, and how sluggish their offenses have started. Mm -hmm. Um, Just really out of sync and how dominant they were last year. And to just, they, they just haven't looked sharp at all, and they haven't even really shown glimpses of looking all that sharp. Um, right now, the, the the Patriots are doing okay because they had a good week uh, week one, but I mean, the Cardinals roughing you up like that. I mean, just being inefficient, and, and the Lions just can't seem to move the ball and just turning it over like crazy, and, and the Packers just looking completely out of sync. I expected the defenses to catch up with the offenses somewhat, but I didn't expect them to fall off quite that much. And I gotta say, I'm disappointed. It, it shouldn't be a surprise, I guess, to me, but I'm sort of disappointed with uh, Joe Flacco, to be honest with you. The Ravens, when I watch them, they look like they should be the best team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I thought Joe Flacco was ridiculous when he said he was the best quarterback, but when people said that they couldn't win a Super Bowl with him, it seemed a little bit silly because how close they were to actually doing it last year. But he looked so bad in that Eagle game. He throws that amazing pass on the run down the sidelines, and then he throws over everybody's head on like five straight throws when they need him in the end. So they really should have beaten Philadelphia, I thought. And I just think he talked so much about how he thinks he's one of the best quarterbacks, and everybody should believe that. And he looked like he had matured late in the playoffs last year, and then to just come out this year and just look like same old Joe Flacco who... He looks like he's a guy playing in his backyard where he's just chucking it and there. Maybe it'll, maybe he'll catch it. Maybe he won't. Maybe I'll throw a great pass. Maybe I'll throw it 25 yards past him. Um, and I think that's got to be concerning for the Ravens because they are getting near the end of their window of opportunity, I think. And they have a really good team and I hope this guy doesn't hold it. Well, I don't care if it holds it back for him. I hope he does actually, but <laughs> it would be, if I was a Ravens fan, I certainly would be disappointed in what I've seen out of him out of two games. Yeah, and throughout Joe Flacco's career, I've been one of the biggest, you know, haters of him so far. I just, watching him play, you know, a lot of games, and it just seems like he never hits anything but a wide open receiver, and he started to kind of change my tune throughout the playoffs last year, and then week one this year, and then just absolutely lays an egg mm-hmm. this last Sunday. So I, I guess I can't say I'm surprised, and honestly, I don't quite disagree with the people who say that he can't win a Super Bowl. He kind of has that same feel to me as Cutler, like he's going to have some really good games, but you really want this guy 
to be your quarterback in a big game. Mm-hmm. You know, their defense is, is still really good, but getting old, like you said, the window's probably closing. Ray Rice, you know, running backs don't last that long. Anquan Bolden's not the receiver he once was, and it just seems like this window, if it's not closing this year, it, next year might be their, their last year they have a shot at it, so mm-hmm. unless they can revamp that defense somehow. But, yeah, I, I'm still... The jury's still out for me on Joe Flacco. We'll see. We'll see how he plays this the rest of this year. And if, if he's going to make a playoff run, he'd better do it now. And mm-hmm. this is his best opportunity, too. So we'll see what happens come playoff time and, and uh, see if he can prove it to everybody that he's a legitimate elite NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. And hopefully his receivers catch it when he tries to this time. Um, I guess now for one last shot here for the uh, NFL after two weeks. Who do you think is the best team? And I think this one might be pretty obvious, but let's just talk about that. Who do you think the best team is so far? Yeah, I think without question, I'm sure you'll say the same thing, but it's got to be San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, we knew the defense was good, but they shut down two of the best offenses in the league last year through week one and week two, and the offense was much better than I expected them to be this year. I, I know in our prediction show, I predicted them to make the playoffs but not be quite as good as they were last year, but they look a whole lot better than they did last year. Mm-hmm. That's a scary thought going into the NFC playoffs here because you look at the teams around and with the way we're playing right now is who's going to beat them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philly gets through the first couple weeks with wins, but didn't look impressive. Yeah, it didn't look impressive doing it. Maybe if they can turn it around, maybe you'll have a shot. And obviously, I like to think the Packers have a shot, but... They just look far and away like the best team in the NFL right now, and I don't really think it, anybody's that close to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you there. Uh, they just they remind me a lot, and now I'm going to go kind of older than my age a little bit here, but um, they, they remind me of the Joe Gibbs kind of redskin teams where they just do everything really well, and they always convert on third down, and they're always moving the ball down the field, and they're always stopping you on third down, and they're not destroying you in a, in a way that makes you you know, go, wow, like the Packers or the Saints have in their Super Bowl runs. But you never feel like the other team has a serious chance to beat them either. I mean, it could be like a 20 to, like what was it, 20 to 9 against Detroit for a while last week, and I just felt this game is over. There, there's no way Detroit is going to come back and beat this team. They just do everything really, really well, and uh, like you said, just kind of looking over the NFC landscape, I don't think Philadelphia could score enough with them. I, I don't know about, uh, certainly not Detroit, uh, maybe Atlanta has a chance, but their defense I don't think is good enough. Hopefully the Packers can uh, get their act together, but I would say if I'm the Packers and for some reason San Francisco falls a game behind the Packers and the Packers are 12-3 uh, and three and the Niners are 11-4 and four going into the last week of the season, uh, maybe I let San Francisco win home field advantage because I don't want to play that team in Green Bay. Yeah, <laughs> maybe you're right there, but it's, to me, I mean, you... You watch like the Packers defense, or you watch any other game around the league, and then go watch the 49ers defense. That was kind of nice for me on Sunday, because I watched all these games earlier in the day, and then I watched their defense at night, and it's just night and day with every other defense, even better than you know Baltimore or anybody. Mm-hmm. But every single player on that defense flies to the ball, not just the linebackers, but the corners and the safeties. And it's absolutely unlike any other team in the league. Every player on that team seems like a playmaker. Mm-hmm. You know, and you'd hope they can. Well, maybe for our sake, we hope they don't. But you hope they can avoid injury and keep all those guys healthy because, you know, in an age where there's so much offense, this is probably the best defense we've seen in maybe a decade. And if Put them in like the, the Ravens situation with the kind of offenses that were back then, more you know prone to run the ball a lot more. It 
this defense could be right there. I know they don't have quite the, the same amount of playmakers, but this is a great defense. Yeah, I would agree. Um, the, the worst thing about San Francisco, though, and I don't like the fact that they went back to their old uniforms. I absolutely love their old uniforms. They're one of my favorites in the NFL, but you know me. I'm a big collector of games, and I have been for many, many years, so I have a lot of Joe Montana and Steve Young games where they're in those uniforms. And every time I see that stadium and they come down and I see them in that uniform, I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be a shootout. It's going to be 35 to 31, and then... Then I watch and it's you know nine to six at halftime or something and it yeah. just just ruins my my whole life. No, <laughs> whatever. Uh, let's uh, so now let's move on and look towards the Packers' next opponent, which is the Seattle Seahawks out in I don't think it's Quest Field anymore, but the stadium formerly known as Quest Field on Monday Night Football. After the Packers get a little bit of a mini bye week here with a Thursday game and then a Monday Night game. Um, what is that a 11 days off or 12 days off, something like that. Yeah. Taking on a team that has a really, really uh, well-playing defense right now. They haven't even given up 100 yards on the season rushing so far. Um, they stifled Dallas completely on Sunday, beating them 27-7. to uh, their offense is still in progress, obviously, with a rookie quarterback, Russell Wilson, starting. I'm not exactly sure what to expect out of this game. Uh, ESPN probably a little bit disappointed that they don't get the Matt Flynn versus Aaron Rodgers matchup, but what do you expect out of this game on Monday? I can't say I have any idea what to expect. Yeah, it's it's going to be kind of a surprise. Well, I guess we'll have to see as it goes, but it completely depends on what kind of Packer team you get. If you get week one Packers, we're not going to beat the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that defense is really good. It's kind of a no-name defense, but there are a lot of really good young players that fly to the ball, and they're really, really talented. And I think this offense, if, if we play as bad as we did week one, this offense is good enough to score. Marshawn Lynch is going to run crazy over this defense if they don't you know, play as good as they did last year. And, and Russell Wilson's at least, I think, talented enough to make some plays. So, if we don't show up here, it, it could be kind of the same thing that we saw with Dallas last week where they lost by 20 points. But mm-hmm. I don't think the Packers will be that poor, and I think that they still have a really good chance to win this game. But I think it's going to be a lot tougher than a lot of people around here are thinking it's going to be. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I've been kind of concerned about this game ever since the schedule came out. It just seems like it's built to be a game that the Packers lose for whatever reason. Especially if they get behind, because you've seen, especially Rodgers in the Metrodome, when they get behind and... They tend to come unraveled a little bit, or they don't take as many chances, and those are the type of games where you see Aaron Rodgers take a ton of sacks. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I think this has a, a potential to be a really bad night for the Packers. Their offense has to play better. I know you mentioned week one, but if they played like they played against the Bears, they'll, they'll lose this game, I, I'm pretty sure. Last year's offense, with the way the defense played last year, and I know we weren't going to compare them, but even 2010's offense, the 2009's offense, they would have beat the Bears by, what, 35 points on yeah, uh, Thursday? I mean, with all the turnovers they were getting, and even when they weren't getting turnovers, they weren't getting first downs, they weren't moving the ball at all. So if the offense doesn't show up on Monday, I don't think the Packers are going to win. And that doesn't mean they're, they're doomed for the season, it's week three, whatever, but they certainly have to play a lot better offensively if they're going to beat Seattle in Seattle against a, a really tough defense. And we've seen what Russell Wilson can do, and... Our defense is, you know, they, they made Christian Ponder look pretty good in his debut last year, and they've had some other guys who have not been very good against anybody else play pretty pretty great against uh, Dom Capers' defenses. So hopefully the Packers can put it to put it together, but uh, it's certainly going to be a tough one for them. 
Yeah, and you hope that Dom throws together a lot of stuff kind of similar to what we saw last week against Chicago because you know Russell Wilson didn't see a whole lot of three fours in college and and that kind of zone blitzing and things like that. So you you know you hope we can throw him off a little bit and get some interceptions. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know it, you'd like to say that. Russell Wilson going into his first really big game, you know, he's probably going to be rattled a little bit, but this guy just doesn't seem to get rattled. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's, he's he, maybe he won't throw for 300 yards against the Packers, but, you know, if he did what he did, did last week, throw for a touchdown, like 200 yards, you know, maybe that's going to be good enough if our offense can't get going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at least he doesn't, won't have the Badgers' uh, defense on his side, so he probably yeah. will be able to hold a lead if they get one. Um, what do you got for a score? Oh, boy. It's a tough one, um, but I think I am going to go with the old generic 24-17. I think that we'll we'll put up enough points. I'm Packers, I'm saying, too. Okay. Uh, I think we're, we'll put up enough points. I wouldn't be surprised if it was maybe a little low scoring, but I, I'm still just having such a hard time believing that this offense is going to be down for that much longer. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm thinking they might get it going a little bit more this week, so I'm going to say a seven-point win in Seattle. Okay, um... In Seattle, I honestly don't know if 20 points would be enough to beat the Seahawks. Um, we'll have to see. I don't know if I want to have to to pick them to to lose this game. It, it just looks like a real tough one. Uh, I'm going to hope that the defense is going to capitalize on some of the things they did last week, and maybe the offense will have an opportunity to, to be a little bit better, especially with a long week off. They had to play two games in such a short period of time. They really didn't get a, a fair chance to correct anything. Uh, the team is getting healthier. So I'm going to say that the Packers are going to offensively be the as good as they've been um, all this year, and I think or better than they've been all this year. And so I think the Green Bay Packers are going to be able to win this one I'll go 28 to 24, um, and I think they they're going to lead for a lot of it. And uh, Seattle will be nipping at their ankles quite a bit, but I think I'm going to bet on the offense to uh, turn things around now, uh, almost a month into the regular season. All right, so that wraps it up for another week of Green and Gold Forever. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and listening to us. And uh, we didn't get around to a what-if segment this week. I know I said we would. Uh, I'm sorry we didn't really uh, have an opportunity to, to prepare for one. We like to have a chance to, to make sure we can give you the best what-if segment possible. And we also would like some new ideas as well. So uh, you can contact us and give us your ideas for what-if. Even if they're similar to ones we've done in the past, we're really open to any ideas. You can go to, what is it, Matt? Is it greenandgoldforever.podbean.com? I think I've said it incorrectly on the, our first show that we had it, and then last week I, I had to actually flip it in <laughs> after the fact because I said it incorrectly. So it's green and gold, or greengoldforever.podbean.com. I'm going to get some quick verification here for you. Okay. All right, well, let's see here. We are green, gold, the number four ever. Dot .podbean.com. So okay. greengoldforever.podbean.com. Okay, and that's where our full archives are available. You can download them, you can stream them, uh, you can write some comments. It's a very fast way to get a hold of us. Uh, so just check it out and uh, let us know what you think. Hopefully we'll have some other content up there from time to time, but for right now it's just probably the best place to go to listen to our archives. You can also uh, go and visit us on our Facebook page, Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. Uh, Matt's very active on there, always giving his thoughts throughout the game and interacting with people throughout the week. And you can also go on Twitter, which is Green Gold Forever on Twitter. Uh, that's the number four. Uh, you can go on there and uh, we'll talk to you on there as well. We always got our thoughts going on there during the game as well. And we'll, we'll also be putting the link for the Podbean, uh, for 
the next episode here uh, on Facebook and Twitter as well, so you don't necessarily have to go right to the Podbean site. But you should, if you want to. You know, you, sh- you should go to all three. I mean, that's yep. the, the best way to, to interact with the show is leave a comment everywhere. You know, tell your friends, go to the, go down to the local uh, school board meeting and and tell everybody there. You know, <laughs> just just tell everybody. It's it's probably probably the best thing going in. Uh, what, what would you say, the world at this point? Yep. Okay. I'd say so. Uh, okay, so yeah, I, I would definitely uh, go to any of those places and let us know what you think, and uh, definitely keep sending those what if topics because uh, we love doing those. And so we'll probably see you next Tuesday. Obviously, the Packers play on Monday night, so we're not going to have a show on Monday. We'll be watching the game just like everybody else, and hopefully we can get another Packers win. Uh, it was nice to remember what that felt like, winning a, a game that matters last Thursday. So let's keep it going, green and gold. Uh, we'll see everybody next week. Uh, enjoy your weekend, and uh, we'll catch you back here next Tuesday. Take care, everyone.